welcome to the Transformational Storyteller Podcast. The stories we tell ourselves and others shape the lives we lead. I'm your host, Dara Lise Lyons. My guest today, Fatima Curry, is a phenomenal woman. Um, she is powerful, she is impactful. She's doing tremendous things um, in the world of um, eating disorder recovery and personal empowerment and mental health, helping women, um, all women, but specifically women of color. And I'm just really excited to hear her story and, um, and learn what she has to say about where she's come from and where she's headed. Hi everybody, my name is Fatima Curry. I currently am from Philadelphia. I also grew up in Hershey, Pennsylvania, and so I am so excited to be here. When I was about eight years old, I moved to Hershey, Pennsylvania to a boarding school, but before that, my life was pretty traumatic. Um, I dealt with a lot of abuse and just neglect as a child, but also understanding that I believe that I was designed and created for more. And so when I went to Milton Hershey School, I was dealing with a lot of trauma and stuff like that, but and I wasn't able to like express that. And so that's what kind of led me to have eating disorder. But I also was a kid that like was super cheerful, super happy, and um, but still having that underlining uh, issues and trauma that I was never really able to talk about. And so growing up, I was just going through the flow, being an athlete, being a student athlete, uh, being the best version of myself. And so when I got to high school, I was just trying to just make it by. And so when I graduated, I realized that I needed to get help. I also started to follow the Lord at that time too. So I also wanted to seek healing. And I think that's why I'm here is to provide and share my story of encouragement and to push women of color or just women in general to seek help and also that it's okay to talk about the pain and the the ugly and understanding that like there is so much more to come and there is so much uh, greatness from your story and so that's why I believe I'm here. Both Fatima and I have, um, we're proud alumni of the Renfrew Center um, in Philadelphia, which the Renfrew Center is one of the nation's leading centers um, that helps women and girls with eating disorders um, to recover their lives and empower themselves. If you or a loved one is suffering from an eating disorder or even just suspects that you might have issues um, regarding food, the Renfrew Center can be an invaluable resource. They have a number of centers located throughout the U.S. Um, helping women both on an inpatient and an outpatient basis and they are sponsoring this episode and I just cannot say enough wonderful things about them. They gave me my life back and um, they gave Fatima her life back as well. So if you want more information about them or what they do, go to www.renfrewcenter.com or call 1-800-RENFREW, that's R-E-N-F-R-E-W, for more information because you don't have to suffer in silence. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you. No, it's it's an honor to be here. Yeah, 
Well, I'm really excited to hear more about your story because I, you know, I relate a lot to like carrying things from childhood and yeah. then having them impact you and not even necessarily knowing like why or what was happening. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So can you talk a little bit more about the circumstances that led to you going away at eight years old? Yeah. yeah. So my parents were like never together, but my dad was super active in my life. And so I have three half brothers as well. So all of us kind of, and I also have a twin sister. So it was pretty much a full house, random like animals too, which yeah. I don't know why. But, <laughs> and so growing up, um, I was also the like oddball out. So like I was, I knew I was different. Like I knew that like I seen and like dealt with things differently than my siblings have. Mm. And so I kind of was like, oh, I'm gonna like fend for myself or like being like, this mood or this motor, like it's all about me yeah. um, because of the trauma that happened of just like abuse from my mom's boyfriend and like things like that. And so being the older twin, I kind of like took the hit, kind of just like threw myself in there to like protect my sister. Yeah. And so at the age of eight, really my mom needed help. She was just like, I don't have the resources. I don't have any money. My mom was working as a bartender, but still wasn't really, you know, cause she had to take care of the bills and stuff. And so yeah. we just kind of was making buy. And so um, there was a great opportunity for us to go away. And I actually was really excited. I cried a little bit, but I was like, man, I kind of knew that deep down, like there was something better out there for me. Yeah. And I knew also everybody wasn't going through the same thing. So I was just like, I want to experience something better and greater. And so we went to Mount Hershey School in Hershey, Pennsylvania. And um, it was like the the best thing in the world for me. Uh, my sister would probably say it a little differently, but yeah. I like took that in and just like loved every bit of it. Right. Were you and I, I mean, and I want to ask you more about that, but yeah. Were you an identical or fraternal twin? Fraternal. And so I'm 11 minutes older. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So we, my sister and I did a lot of things together, but we also, again, we're very different. And so we see the world differently. We kind of interact with people differently. She's an introvert. I'm an extrovert. And like, we just, we love each other so much, but we also just handle life completely different. Right, and that has to be very, like, a, I mean, it, it is your experience, yeah, so I know you probably exactly. don't know any different, but, yeah. like, I just imagine myself and what it would be like growing up parallel to someone. And right. I, so how was that for you? It was, a lot of it was really almost easy because we didn't really know any better, um, but also it was very hard because we just saw things differently. I knew that like there was better out there. She was kind of like, well, this is our reality. This sucks. Like we're going to be in this forever. And I just couldn't get to that place of that. I was just like, there's no way there's like, there has to be something better out there for us as siblings, but also individually. And so I was almost, almost that hope barrier for the both of us because I really do believe and did believe even at the age of eight that I was created for more and I was designed to like help people and lead people in a way. Yeah. And so I think there was a moment where I tried to convince my sister of that, but she's like, Seema, that's just you, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I kind of just rambled with that process and that thought. Well, plus if you're an introvert, which she was, and yeah. I'm sort of like an ambivert, so there yeah. are times when I'm introverted and right. times when I'm not. Exactly. But like, you know, if you're an extrovert, then I think there is that inner quest to, 
create this outward yeah. connection and find something different or something else. Exactly. And I was always almost like the, like, I love to go and meet people and talk to people and just like kind of also be super like out there. Yes. But also I uh, realized that there was moments where I was like, I don't, I don't really feel comfortable in, in, in this situation or things like that. So my sister and I, where she was like, I can sit in the house by myself for like eight hours and be okay. Where I'm just like, no, we have to go out there. Let's make friends. Let's like do something together. Let's like impact the world. And she's like, ah, no thanks. <laughs> right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. Oh goodness. Well, and then you were away. You mm -hmm. were at school. Yeah. You talked about that was when your eating disorder developed. Yeah. Or? And yeah. so I lived in a home with 12 girls. Um, and we had this thing called like house parents and so they were employed by the school and they their mission is to support us and help us almost lead us like parents mm -hmm. and so um, but also not replacing our parents and so I it was really easy for me to like be left alone because I was an extrovert I was also very much um, independent and so I kind of just did and I was also an athlete too and so I was always gone and I was never really home and mm -hmm. so I was able to like hide myself with the food or I would eat by myself or I would not eat at all and so but no one really saw that because it's like oh Fatima like she's an athlete she's always like out and about she's fine yeah, and yeah. and so but really I wasn't because there was something going in um through me and I was just like I need to release that but also I had this weird body image um kind of thing stirring up inside me being a young girl also also developing way faster than a lot of girls my age as well. Yeah. And so that's kind of how I like triggered. Wow, and so I relate so much in terms mm -hmm. of, you know, developing an eating disorder, but I was so, for me, that process was such a process of like isolation from people and yeah. withdrawing from society. And so yeah. it seems like for you, it looked so different. Yeah. Yeah, and so how has that, like, how do you think that either made things easier or harder that you are more of a person who connects with others? Like I think it's so, it was almost easier because I would always put the focus on other people. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, be so invested in some, some other people. And I actually almost like forgot about me. And I was like, if I like don't think about myself, I'm okay. Like, and when I, but I, when I start to dwell and when I had those quiet moments by myself and I start to dwell on my past, I start to think like, this is not fair. Like life isn't fair. Why did this happen? Then I really started to go downhill. Mm -hmm. But if I like, almost like, let me just throw myself out there, just like make it about other people. But it also t ended up being really hard because I can't pour from an empty cup, you know? And I also was like, wait, I'm caring a lot about other people, but I'm neglecting my own mental health, my own heart, my own soul. And then it actually really did not go very well as I thought. Yeah, and in a way you were hiding out too, just in a very public in a, way. Yeah, it was just like, oh, Fatima, like the, almost like the star of the show or like things like that. And I like fed off of that. Mm. But I was like, I, if you really, I was nervous that like if you got to know me like and know my story, it was ugly. It was it was traumatic, and I was just like, no one wants to see that side of Fatima, and so I actually believed that lie for so long. Yeah, right, right, and then fed that to yourself, and then because mm -hmm. you weren't sharing, right, you had no counteracting yeah. voices. Or, exactly. Yeah, right. 
So I want to hear a little bit more about sort of, you, you spoke about school being one of the best things that ever happened to you, but yeah. it was also running alongside that mm -hmm. was this really negative thing that was going on between you and you. So yeah. how did that, how do you reconcile those? Right, that's a great question. I think a lot of it was I had the support system, I just never used them. And so I had um, my mentor who, kind of just like fell into mentorship and um, in high school where she kind of like took me under her wing and her husband was my math teacher so I like hated math but I did every I did well in everything else I was just like this is so dumb I'm not gonna even need it and so she kind of came in and was like hi like I'm so and so like thank you so like let me get to know you essentially and I was like this is weird I'm like a freshman in high school yeah. like I'm not gonna be BFS with a teacher but outside of school and when I started to find a community that like loved the Lord and, and really started to like serve children and, and I was like knew I wanted to work with children in some way um, and she took me in and kind of was like this is my life and how would you feel if we did life together and that's when I kind of was like wait this is true like about God that he like can heal us or like you know if I came to him he can hear my prayers like that's actually true mm -hmm. and so she's like yeah but if anything like I want to do life with you and I want to help you I don't know everything and and my life looks different than yours and I'm not here to compare our lives but I'm actually here to support it wow. yeah that's amazing that you found someone that could love you that much, not even know you, but just love you in advance. Exactly. And I was just like, it was so frightening because I like, this is a woman who is white. And I was just like, I'm, that's weird. Like, it's, I'm not even close to my mom. Like, mm -hmm. you know, and so why would you love me? Like, in that thought process. And she really showed me and gave me that unconditional love that I've actually never really experienced. And that's when I kind of knew that the way she loved people is the way I could essentially love myself and other people. Right. Yeah. Right. And the way that God loves Yeah, you. exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I know that God is kind of like taboo to talk about nowadays, but I, I found it to be um, special to me, but not just special. Like, I really believe that, like, he, like, helped heal me and, and led me to so many years of just, like, pursuing wholeness and and talking about the trauma and, and seeking counsel and going to a therapist and things like that like I knew I needed to talk about this um, because it wasn't gonna just heal in a day right. it wasn't gonna just be but it's gonna be about um, being intentional and I love that saying that like yeah it takes time to heal but I also believe that it's all about being intentional with your healing and and things like that well, and I love that you talk about sort of, because I think sometimes what happens with spirituality, or at least that's been my experience, yeah. is that sometimes people think that like, oh, God can heal everything, or spirit can heal, or the universe, yeah. like all I have to do is think positively and right. everything will be good, or mm -hmm. pray, and like my experience is, is that whether you're a spiritual person or not, exactly. like there's a certain amount of faith and a certain amount of work, yeah. and they have to kind of go together. That's exactly right. Like I think sometimes we... I grew up kind of thinking like, I'm just gonna wait hands and feet on God and just mm -hmm. like, he'll do everything for me. But I also had to go find it. I also had to go seek help. That like, it didn't just come find me, you know? And so I like realized I had to call the Renfrew Center. I knew I had to like go into treatment and I had to live there for X amount of months and, and start digging at the things I had built up. Yeah. yeah. 
So when did you, when in your timeline did you come to that realization that you really needed help? Yeah, and so I was actually getting ready to go on a missions trip and I was like super excited to go, but I had to go to the doctor to get some paperwork and get mm -hmm. some blood work. Yeah. And um, I remember going to the doctor and I don't know if I prayed, I don't even know if I like asked God to like help me, but I do remember going in, getting my weight done um, and then sitting just ready to go home. And, and then my doctor, it was like my primary care doctor, uh, uh, an assistant and a nurse all come in. I was like, what is happening? Um, and she, all of them sit down and just like, hey, um, you've been here a couple times and something's not really looking right. And I was like, explain, you know? Yeah. And I was like also in denial. I'm like, what are they talking about? But also I knew that there's something inside of me it was like, wait, there is something wrong with me with food. Yeah. And then the, the grand question that my doctor asked is like, well, like, how do you see yourself? Like, do you love yourself essentially? Mm -hmm. And I just remember like sobbing. And that's when I never ever really trusted anybody like that, especially my primary care doctor, yes, where I haven't yes. even seen her for years. And she's like, you're here, you're back, you know? And then she kind of just went in already and just like, do you love yourself? Like, how do you see yourself? And I was like, I don't. You know, and that's when I knew that um, she gave me a card. She's like, I have uh, heard a really great place, good things about the Renfrew Center. Here's a card. And I remember going home by myself and just kind of like with my phone and the card. And it's like, God, like, tell me, do I need to go get help? And it, like this, I felt like you said, go. Yeah. And I remember calling and it's just like, I think I have an eating disorder. Wow. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So it was like your illusions were completely shattered. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I yeah. was like, that was nuts to actually like, almost felt like a movie just like with literally my cell phone in the, the Renfrew Center card. And I was like, if I don't get help, I, I literally thought this, if I don't get help, I'm going to die. Oh yeah. And you might, and you might have. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Oh my goodness. And then what, so you said that you weren't really that close to your mom and you grew up with this traumatic childhood so yeah. how did like did your family were was your family involved in you getting help at all or? yes and no I kind of went to treatment like secretly and okay. so I was living with my mom and she and I was also in school so I had really long days yeah. but I wouldn't come home I would leave the house at like 7 and won't come home until like 11 and my mom didn't really ask questions at first but she just started like it was a month in and I was an outpatient and so I had to travel out there and so come back on the train and so she's like was so upset and she like why are you why are you coming home so late like what is happening like coming like kind of accusing me of things yeah. and that's when I was like I was so scared to tell her yeah. what I was doing and I just like flat out like in my head I was talking to my therapist and like I want to tell my mom but what is the right way to do yeah. it and it was not the right way to do it because we were both angry and just not in a good mood and I was like well I'm going to treatment for yeah. eating disorder and she's like what is that and I had to explain and I there was a moment where I didn't even know what eating disorder was still. Yes. And I was like, how do I actually tell somebody who has no idea uh, what eating disorder is when I kind of still don't really know? Yeah. So that was like the weird kind of like, uh oh, I kind of like told you, I don't know what to really say anymore. Right, um, right. And so I kind of told my mom, like, that's what I, I have this and I'm seeking help right now. And she was also very confused because that's when like the stigma of mental health kind of like, started to like you know come up it was just like what do you mean you're sick like you're fine yeah that thought and what do you think is behind the stigma of mental health because i think about that too like yeah. why like what is the deal with people 
not getting it and mm -hmm. feeling like and having judgments around it. So right. what was that like for you? I think personally, I think I've never, I never heard anybody go through stuff. Like I've never heard it like out of someone's mouth in my family. Like I saw the actions of mental health. I saw the, the alcohol abuse, the, the, what, the abuse of other things and, and things like that. So I knew that like, that's not really right. Why are you doing this? But no one would actually say like, I have depression. Um, I can't get out of bed. I have a drinking problem because of trauma or things like that. I have a drug problem. And so I've never heard anybody in my family say that until me. Yeah. And so everybody was like, thought I was, they was like, what is happening for Tima? Like what's going on? My whole family was in this big uproar. And I just like, in my head, I was like, because no one talked about it. No one. And meanwhile, did. there was all this evidence that mm -hmm. there were those issues, but nobody. No spoke one. The no truth. one wow. spoke because it was almost that that thought process. Like, I'm just gonna keep going. Like, I have to provide for my family. I have to go to work. I have to do all these things. Like, life goes on, and so I'm just gonna ignore it, ignore it. And then that's when I knew the power of sharing your story because I told my. I remember sitting in my brother's room and I told him like. I'm getting help and he, and he like literally confides in me and it's like Tima I think I had depression for like 10 years wow. and never even told a soul yeah. you know and so I love to believe that this is such a blessing because it allowed my family to come to me yeah. um, and I'm like 23 I'm like I don't really know anything and so but I was like wait maybe I don't need to really share my opinions, I actually need to listen. Yes. Because yes. I think essentially like we all want to be heard. And so I think that's what led me to share my testimony, but also people have come to me and I just been able to listen. Yeah. And being able to like be a beacon of truth and uh, mm. like for people, because mm. I know when I called my family, it was on my, I was in my 17th maybe inpatient hospitalization yeah. for the eating disorder when I finally started telling my mm -hmm. extended family my mom knew and mm -hmm. you know my sister but started calling aunts and uncles and telling them and they were all like oh we had no idea we knew yeah. there was something, something but we had no idea what yeah. it was and they thought it was them like that yeah. I didn't love them anymore exactly. or whatever it was yep. and it was such a healing experience mm -hmm. to be able to really just tell the truth and then exactly yeah yeah um, 1000%. And so talk a little bit about like your relationship then with spirituality and how that has helped in your recovery. And, yeah. yeah. And so I kind of went into, I was an outpatient and that was new. I was like, I have to eat three meals a day and plus snacks. Like that's dumb in my head. And so I remember going through that process and also getting ready to go on this mission trip. So I, there was a part of me that really felt like I couldn't go on this mission trip yeah. because I was not healthy enough. And I remember my therapist pretty much saying that, but then there was a nudge of, uh, I like to call it like the Holy Spirit and, and yeah. saying like, you're going to go and you're just going to go and experience children and have fun and play soccer with them and get to love on them. And I remember going and I can honestly say I did not have an eating disorder thought. Wow. When I was there, I ate all the food. Um, I was in touch with my hunger cues that may be like weird for people who don't know about eating yeah. disorders, but um, hunger cues and full cues. And I was just like, I believe that that was a taste of freedom yeah. um, when I was there. And so when I came back, and it was only for a week, and when yes. I came back, I was like, I need to pursue recovery because yeah. that's the freedom that I wanted. And I do give all glory to God, um, but I also realized that it was 
I had to keep showing up and I had to give my all to this and I had to talk about the hard thing. Yeah. Um, every session, every group session, every ther like therapy session, I, I wanted to do that. Well, and when you talk about like that taste of freedom, mm -hmm. my experience of everything yeah. in life, whether it be recovery or like anything, is yeah. that there are these moments where it's just like, oh, mm -hmm. like I get it, yep. you know, like I get what it is. Mm -hmm. I'm I've tasted this freedom or whatever, and then it's not always that way, you know. Right. There are moments when the urges come back yep. or the thoughts or the yeah. self-defeating messages or whatnot. But having that as a touchstone, exactly, can be so so impactful yeah and then when I came back I was like on fire I was ready to go and then like you know life comes back and you're in it again and just like wait I don't feel that same thing when I was there and I was like wait and I, that's when I realized and that like recovery is not a feeling and that's when I was like recovery recovery is a pursuit that you can keep going after it and you're not always gonna feel like showing up you're not always going to feel like talking. You're not going to always feel like honestly eating. But you, are, if that's a conscious choice you're making, it's like recovery is a choice. And I'm just going to, I'm going to do it because that freedom that I tasted, I want it again. Yes. But I want it forever. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's not just true of recovery from an eating disorder, but like yeah. in life, life, right? We, if someone has a vision for what they want for their lives in any area, whether it be that's work, right. home, mm -hmm. family, mm -hmm. food, whatever, it's like you get the vision, yeah. make that committed choice, take those actions, and it's not always going to be linear either. Exactly. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's what um, I've learned even in recovery as well, that it's not this linear straight path like you're literally it's like roller coaster you're really gonna have days where you're like I don't want to be here I'm gonna sign myself out yeah. things like that and I'm like able to and then there's those days where I like no man I'm gonna actually eat my food and I'm gonna actually enjoy this mm -hmm. and I'm actually gonna talk about it and I'm not gonna waste anybody's time um, and so but I do believe that like recovery is a journey that a lot of women that I've been able to encounter have like been on yeah. and so it's been really special so what does life for you look like now that you've really taken yeah. yourself on in this way? Yeah. Like, what is your life like now? I really, um, when I was in recovery, I really felt led to support women, um, whether women in color, whether uh, women in general, um, through this process because I was in a residential home, the Renfrew Center, and so I was with tons of women yeah. all ages and colors and things like that and I was like we need more of that yeah. we need more of a body of women that like are literally pushing each other forward to recovery and so I really felt that was um what I was gonna do a little not like a full-time job or anything but something that I can like invest in as well yeah. while I'm still like in school and doing other things and so I was praying and I was praying and I was like God, I, was, I want to, to lead a group or something like that. And, right, and then he was like, no. And I was like, oh, okay, that sucks. I'm going to keep going. And then I, ca um, I came onto this program for mentorship uh, for women of eating disorders. So right now I am in the mentorship training process. And it's been awesome to read the eight recovery steps of eating disorder, I forget, I totally butchered that, mm. but um, reading the work work and doing studies and things like that. And so hopefully in September, I'll have a girl, whoever, um, to mentor and do life with. That's so cool, which is exactly, we've come full circle. Yeah. That's what you had exactly. as a young exactly. girl. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is sometimes it's weird for me. I feel like life 
God, the universe, whatever, like yeah. sets up these sets of circumstances where we come back to exactly where we were meant yeah. to be. Exactly. Yeah. I absolutely believe that. And you can't like, or at least I can't ever see it coming until I like realize, oh, no, yeah, this is it. Exactly. Like, isn't that great? Yeah. yeah. It's actually kind of funny. I had like a, a, a little special moment um, yesterday. Uh, one of my good friends reached out to me via Instagram and she said that her one of her friends uh, relapsed and so she's oh. back into uh, recovery and, and treatment and stuff and she's like, yeah, I was on the Renfrew Center site um, looking for the hours or like things I can go visit her or whatever and she said, I stumbled upon your testimony and I like listened to it and I, it was such a, an inspiration and hope that I have for her and she was like, any, any tips, anything, any advice I can give to my friend who's in recovery. Mm. And so that's when I even know that like, even sharing our video testimonies almost a year ago, if not, it'd been a year. Um, I didn't really know what the outcome what was gonna yeah. be. But then that moment of just like, wow, this is so worth it. Right? Yeah. I mean, cause if you can save one person, yeah. even just a fraction of the pain that exactly. you went through. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for me, telling my story also helps me to like be really honest with myself about mm -hmm. like how am I doing with recovery and yeah. am I in it and what do I need to do to stay in it and exactly. that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So there's always those check-ins um, like how am I doing? I still like have to you know meal prep and things like that like but I'm also I love going out to eat now and it's not even about the food and it's not even about like what's on the menu. I used to be a big person on that. Like, yeah. tell me the location. What time we're going to be there? I need to look at the menu. And it's like, I don't even do that anymore because now I actually care about the people I'm with yeah. and I'm actually in tune with them. And so it's really, it's really good. I, there's moments when, you know, like life is getting really stressful and I was like, I'm not going back to that. So I need to take a break. Um, I need to like step away from something. I need to like say no to something yeah. and just kind of come back and do that self-care that uh, we all need. Right, right, absolutely. And finding that, navigating that, that's still something that I struggle yeah. with, navigating the exactly. balance between like being part of the world yeah. and like taking time <laughs> exactly. for me. And I, I mess it up at least once a week. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know. And sometimes I'm like, I'll hit a wall. I'm just like, whoa, like, that really sucked. Like I really, that, where am I? And having those moments of just like, I'm okay. Like I have a, either, I still have a support system that I call when I'm like either stressed out or like I'm freaking out right now. I need to talk to someone. I need to talk through this out loud. And uh, my support system has changed a little bit over the years, but it's been pretty solid. And yeah. so still having those people. Right, right. And so what is your, I mean, you know, I think the commitment to recovery is a lifelong commitment. Yep. But like, what is your commitment in terms of moving forward? Like, what's the thing that you're working towards now in, in your life that maybe is separate from recovery, but you're yeah. just like, you know, this is the thing that I, that I want in my life. Yeah, like, that's a great question. I think something that I'm always looking towards is just being a better ver like version of me. Mm -hmm. um, there's different versions of everybody in different seasons of life. And so I think I had a really hard season in the beginning of the new year like I had a lot of disappointment and I was just like kind of back to back over the months mm -hmm. and I was just like this sucks and actually to say that out loud like life is not fair yeah. and I am not own it. like I don't owe anything to anybody but I'm also like no one owes me anything and so like understanding that and I was just like wait I actually want to be a better version of Fatima how can I pursue that 
And so that looks like me pursuing like wholesomeness and just being a whole person and doing the things that I love. And that is literally just hanging out with people, eating really good food, watching great shows and just like sleeping and eat, like, you know, just like doing yeah. the things that I love to do yeah. um, to keep me centered and grounded. Right, yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Well, and um, so let's say that someone is either struggling with an eating disorder or wants to sort of get help with mental health issues or just wants to share. They heard yeah. something about your story and it resonated with them. How do people get in contact with you? Oh, that's awesome. Well, first, I would actually say, like, go onto the NIDA website. They have so many, like, resources yeah. and, and, and so many, like, like walk need a walks and like things that if you want to get involved or you want to seek help i would totally go there and i just want to say so nita for anyone who's not yes. familiar is the national eating disorder awareness website yeah. Yeah. and it's n-e-d-a yeah. if they google that it'll come up yeah, yeah exactly okay. um also you can if you want to talk to me personally you can dm me um it's teams but you can type in my name fatima curry um it's gonna pop up or you can use my email. Can we say our email? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, CurryFatima at Gmail. So literally just my last name, first name at Gmail. And spell Fatima for anyone who's not. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yes, okay. Fatima, F-A-A-T-I-M-A-H yeah. at gmail.com. Awesome. And I would love to talk to you, support you, um, ultimately listen to whatever you're going through. Yeah. And I'm going to put all that in the show notes oh, so that people awesome. can reach yeah, out. And yeah. Yeah, and get connected. And then something else that I always ask all my guests, because this is a story about using, or this is a podcast about using yeah. stories to transform. I feel like every story has some sort of like message or theme or moral. So mm. like, let's say some, I was to pick up a book about your life. Like, yeah. what would the message that you wanted me to walk away with be? Like, what message do you want your story to communicate? That's so great. I would communicate, someone picked up a book um, about me and they saw it, I would say, Choose the hard thing because it's so worth it. Mm. Choose the hard thing because it's so worth it. I, now I feel like like you just gave me like a homework assignment that I really need. <laughs> no, but like like to think about because there are some hard things, and I was talking to some friends about this recently. Like there's some things in my life that I avoid. I avoid the yeah. things I'm not good at. Exactly. So like, what are the things that I'm not good at that yeah. I want to yeah. really choose and commit to. Exactly. That's beautiful. Right. And yeah. then the, the, the more you do the hard thing, the more it actually becomes natural. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And your comfort zone expands. And exactly. often the thing that we avoid is something that, like, life is going to bring us up against that again and again and yes. again until exactly. we do it, mm -hmm. until we figure it out. Yeah. 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 Oh, my gosh. Awesome. Thank you so much for no, thank coming you on today. so much. It's literally my honor. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. This, mm -hmm. was, this was really great. Yeah, thank you. I'm a huge proponent of using stories to heal and overcome, using personal narrative, and also just reading in general. So one of the sponsors of the Transformational Storyteller podcast is Loving Healing Press. They are a phenomenal press that, fight, uh, that primarily focuses on stories of personal empowerment and also self-help books. So if you want to take advantage of the generous 15% off offer that they are um, extending to all the Transformational Storyteller listeners and viewers, go to www.lhpress.com 
and enter the coupon code DARALISE15 for 15% off at checkout. That's D-A-R-A-L-Y-S-E and the number 15 for 15% off. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Transformational Storyteller Podcast. As always, thanks to our episode sponsors, our production team at Rebel Hill Consulting, and of course, many thanks to you, the listener. Whoever you are, wherever you are, I hope you're creating stories that empower you and inspire others.